Um, we're talking about Burks, and, and the guy asked me, you know, why does everyone want to compare him to, to Debo Samuel? You know, why, why can't he be A.J. Brown? Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Monday, April the 18th. I am your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are brought to you today by the 440 Podcast Network. Welcome in. We are in the penultimate week before the draft. Not this Thursday, but the following Thursday will be the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft held in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be outrageous and gorgeous. The stage setup out on the Bellagio Fountain, a artificial island stage that they've built. They're going to be ferrying prospects out there. It's going to be wild, and we can't wait. With just less than two weeks to go for the draft, on this podcast feed, as well as over at broadwaysportsmedia.com, we're going to be putting out as much content as physically possible over the next two weeks. So make sure to check that out. We're going to try to have an episode new on this podcast feed every single day up until the draft, and then I'm sure we'll be doing content on that Thursday and Friday and Saturday, reacting to the draft, and then of course the week after, all of the reaction and aftermath of who the Titans took, doing evaluation of their draft class, talking about how these guys fit, all that good stuff. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. On today's episode, our buddy Justin Mello from Canada, he is one of our own here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com, awesome guy, knows this draft class like the back of his hand, partially because, if you don't know this, he interviews... So many prospects every single year. So a lot of these guys we're going to talk to him about. He has sat down and spoken to one-on-one and written about um, at BroadwaySportsMedia.com or at the Draft Network. So he's really, really plugged in. It's an awesome conversation that James and I have with him. Before we get into that, really quick housekeeping. We are going to be having that mailbag episode that we teased last week. This week, for an end of this week, I don't know if it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe Thursday, we will be having it. So we're gonna probably going to send out a reminder tweet about that today or tomorrow. Get your questions in. Hit us up on our either, either of our Twitter accounts or the show Twitter account, at Easton Freeze, at the Titans 10 BSM, at No Flags Film. DM us your question if you want it answered, or if you want your question guaranteed answer, leave it in the form of a five-star review. On Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, leave in the review box your question, and it will be prioritized, baby. It will be at the top of the list, guaranteed to be answered. That's the best way to do it. So either of those ways, leave us a question. We'd love to talk about anything, football, life, otherwise. Hit us up. Um, we want we want stuff to talk about, and we will shout you out on the show. All right, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Justin Mello. All right, let's welcome in our guest this week, Justin Mello. He writes over the Draft Network covering the NFL and the NFL Draft, as well as covering the Titans here for BroadwaySportsMedia.com. He's a part of the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network and the 440 Podcast Network, co-host of the Music City Audible with our other Justin uh, co-worker and friend at, at Broadway Sports Media. But we've got Mello this week. Justin, it's so good to have you on the podcast. How's it going? Doing well, man. A pleasure to be on this week. It's a pleasure to have you. We wanted to talk through, uh, we've, I've been listening to, I'll speak for myself. I've been listening to y'all's podcast coming out weekly the last couple of weeks. And man, it's it's clear that you are uh, in the full, uh, the, you're in the deep end with this, this draft class, just like James is. So I wanted to pick your brain, maybe get a little bit of a, a fresh perspective on this draft class. I know you've got a lot to say about a lot of these guys. So 
we've got a couple of questions for you kind of all over the place. Titans related, draft related. The first thing I wanted to ask you about this draft class, there was there was a trend. Uh, I don't know if it was a Titan specific thing on Twitter earlier this week or if it was just a, a draft Twitter trend, but people were going through and making a tiers list uh, for their team. In this case, I guess the Titans are the ones that I saw where they were putting into tiers prospects that the Titans could draft at 26th overall, um, according to how they would feel about that pick. So it was like the guys at the top were the guys they would be ecstatic with the Titans taking and then on down to guys that they would be furious the guys would take. Do you, this? I don't know if you have any idea, if you've even thought about this before, can you give me a rundown of some guys that would be in your tiers list for the Titans, who you would be happy for them to have in the first round and who you'd be really just scratching your head if they were to take? Yeah, there are, there are a couple guys. I mean, I, I really like this receiver class, and I'm of the opinion that the Titans need to add uh, a difference maker at receiver, a day one difference maker, a guy that can immediately give them snaps and production. Mm. So, uh, you know, Chris Olave is my receiver one personally, so that's a guy that would be a home run for me. Uh, not far off him, I've got Jamison Williams, you know, the receiver out of Alabama. That would be a home run for me. Uh, I really like Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, two interior offensive linemen. I know it's not the sexiest position, but it is a position of need, and I am a big fan of both of those players. So those guys would be uh, home runs for me. And I would also really uh, like uh, uh, Traylon Burks, the receiver from Arkansas. I know a, yes. guy, a guy that's uh, a guy that's um, you know uh, gone through the ringer a little bit throughout this pre-draft process. A lot of people all of a sudden started talking down on him when they saw the testing numbers, and the opinions are all over the place on him. But I'm still a big fan of what he does. Think he fits this scheme and this offense really well. He's a guy that's a you know a physical route runner. It's funny. I was uh, I was talking to uh, a, a scout the other day. And um, we were having a conversation about Traylon Burks. And I, I said this on the latest episode of MCA, if you gave it a listen, but I'll, I'll, yes. I'll, repeat, my, I'll repeat myself here. Um, we're talking about Burks and, and the guy asked me, you know, why does everyone want to compare him to, to Debo Samuel? You know, why, why can't he be AJ Brown? What's wrong with AJ Brown? And I, I, it was so funny for me because the first time I ever watched him, that was a comp that kind of came to mind for me. I, I don't think that it's, they're exactly alike. There are some differences. I think AJ's a, a better athlete, gets in and out of his breaks more efficiently, runs crisper routes. And, and those things um, are obvious with the testing as well, right? Brown tested better than Burks did. And I think you see that on tape. Uh, but, but, but I'm a big fan of Burks. think he's got a little Brown to him. Very physical route runner. Very physical after the catch. A guy that creates for himself. So those, uh, I think I gave you five guys. Those five guys to me would, would be home runs. You know, I have a couple uh, follow-up questions on a few of those guys. The the Burks thing is funny that people like knock his 40 time because I was re-watching uh, AJ Brown's targets the other day and like the amount of times that he just it, it completely outruns the defense uh, for a guy whose 40 time was like a 4-4-9, which is good, but he's not one of these guys that's, you know, running in the four threes and getting a ton of hype. Like a 4-5-5 is perfectly fine. Uh, 40 yard dash time for a receiver. And I think, well, and go watch Burke's tape, right? Because when, right. when in his tape, have you ever seen the defense catch him? He runs away from defenses as well. I mean, 6'2", 225, right? Like it's t- taking that size into account. It's, it's a good 40 time. Like you said, James. Um, also wanted to ask you about Kenyon green. Uh, who's a guy that uh, kind of like looking over your comments on players, probably the the player that I disagree with you the most about, which is um, which is fine, obviously. But I, you know, I have him as like my 
fourth interior offensive lineman behind Tyler Smith, uh, Linderbaum, and Zion Johnson. What what do you see from Kenyon Green that puts him in that Zion Johnson tier for you? I just thought it was a, a relatively clean evaluation for me. Now, you know, he spent most of the time in 2021 playing left tackle. It's mm-hmm. not a position, you know, he's expected to play in the pros, which is funny because, I mean, 34-inch arms, right? If you read a lot right. of those pre-draft mm-hmm. scouting reports early on him, and I mean real early, a lot of them said, you know, he, he lacks length to play tackle. It's not a length issue, right? 34-inch mm-hmm. arms are certainly long enough to play tackle, but I, I still expect him to, to kick into guard. Uh, I, for me, it was, a, it was a rather clean, straightforward evaluation, even though you are the skill set that is, even though you are kind of projecting him to, to play a different position. And I will be curious uh, to ask you what you saw, James, after and ca- ca- kind of hear why you're down on him, because I- I'm pretty high on him. I-, I think it's straightforward. I think he's plug and play at left mm-hmm. guard. Uh, excellent in the run game. He's a road grader. You can run behind him, which I think makes him an ideal fit for, for Tennessee. You know, losing a guy like Saffold there at guard, I think he comes in, makes a lot of sense, you know, open up some holes for Derrick Henry. You watch that game against Alabama this past year. I mean, that's the big one, right? It's obviously yeah. the best the best team they played against. And, and that was they're certainly the, one of the greatest victories pr- probably in program history, right? Or certainly in, in recent history. And um, I, I thought he was lights out in that game. You know, he's going up against some, some pretty good edge defenders in that game while playing left tackle. Didn't give up a whole lot for, uh, in, in my opinion, you know, generates, I got some notes throughout that game, generates a ton of movement, uh, is incredibly physical. He's a tone setter. So many great run blocks. I always called for a hold, I think, at one point in the second half. That was one of the few, you know, negative plays I thought he had in that game. There's a there's a touchdown late where I thought his pass protection was terrific. Great technique, held up well, gave his quarterback time. Uh, I really like the guy. He's made 35-plus starts. He started at multiple positions. Uh, I, I think he's a plug-and-play guard. I really do. Yeah, so Kenyon Green has kind of been an, an interesting evaluation for me because when I first watched him, like I did my first – three game stretch. He was one of the first players that I watched. Uh, I was watching a lot of tackle tape. Like I watched him. uh, He actually played guard at Arkansas, but that was like the first game I watched. And I'm just going, I'm looking at his PFF profile right now. And he has a 2.2 pass blocking grade in that game. You look at the rest of the games and he's pretty solid. So it's kind of something where you got to be careful and be aware that you could just be watching a guy's bad games. And that's sort of what happened to me with Kenyon Green is the first two games I watched, I was very underwhelmed. Um, got access to more Texas A&M tape from later in the season when he was playing guard and like really in the groove. Um, like the LSU game, I was very impressed with him. Ole Miss. So bumped him up on my board um, and, you know, kept an open mind because obviously I respect your opinion on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, like I just think the, the main issue I have with Kenyon Green is foot quickness. Um, and also speaking specifically about the Titans, I don't love him compared to some other guards, uh, as a, as a blocker and like wide zone. Uh, so Titans specific, like I could see my expectation would be that they have a higher grade on Zion Johnson than, than Kenyon green, but yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. That wouldn't shock me based on Zion. I I think fitting that offense probably a bit better. I mean, green, green did not test very well at the combine, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fourth, fourth percentile 20 yard shuttle, which is kind of like the, the go-to metric for interior offensive linemen in terms of uh, like projecting success to the NFL. But ultimately, I mean, I have him as a, as a top 32 player, my comp form is Trey Smith. So it's not like I'm out on the guy. I'm probably just a little bit lower on him than you. Sure. Um, also another 
guy that uh, this is someone that I think we agree on is, and I don't see him getting a ton of discussion, but it's Andrew Booth. I noticed that the draft network, uh, and I'm not sure what your influence on the official board is, but the draft network is very high on um, Andrew Booth. You mentioned early in the process uh, on Twitter that he's someone who's you could see going higher than expected. What are your thoughts on Andrew Booth? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his, you know, six foot 194. When, when you turn the tape on, uh, I, I thought, you know, two games that really stood out to me. Number one, again, you know, I, I kind of said it on Kenyon Green, but uh, who's the best competition they played, right? Obviously, that was Georgia um, this past season. I, I thought, I don't know that they threw in his direction once, right? I mean, you can, you, right. you might be able to confirm if you watch that game yourself, but they almost just never looked to that side of the field. The amount of respect that Georgia showed him, uh, I thought was really telling. And then you turn on the game against Pittsburgh, which again was a, a, a tape against a, you know, a, a quote unquote top quarterback prospect uh, in, in Kenny Pickett. Uh, and I thought he was great in that game as well. I, I don't know that he gave up anything, rarely gets beat. Uh, I, I really love him. I, I struggle to see what he doesn't have. You know, six foot one, 194, as I said, that blend of overall athleticism, uh, the, the, the ball the, skills, the, the size. Weight. He's, he's, uh, he's built like very compact. And you right. see that in how, how prolific and productive of a run defender he is. Right. Um, Love the ga- the I mean, the first game I watched was the South Carolina game where he had, uh, I believe, two interceptions and one pass breakup uh, on on four total targets. And so, like, my introduction to Andrew Booth was, wow, this dude is is up there with kind of like the sauce in the sauce Gardner tier. Um, and I yeah, I think just, you know, they I, I can see some teams being turned off because they they played a lot of zone coverage at Clemson. But. Uh, yeah, man. Andrew Booth is a guy. What What are your thoughts on how much of a possibility do you think it is the Titans take a corner in the first round? Because TD was TD was dropping that. He dropped that on our pod that that could be a possibility. It's, yeah, it's got to be five percent or less, right? I and mean, it's just <laughs> it doesn't. I I don't think it's very likely. I, I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing TD say that on on the pod. I would be pretty surprised. I would be pretty surprised. It, it, now I'll say it wouldn't shock me as much as maybe linebacker or or mm-hmm. defensive tackle, defensive lineman, edge rusher would shock me. I think those would be more surprising than cornerback would. Safety would be more surprising, for example. But I don't expect it. I mean, well, you, you took Caleb Farley a year ago. And, it would be and completely I know admitting with- failure on Caleb Farley. Right, like you and you, would- <laughs> I, I understand he had the setback with the ACL, and that was, you know... You, you can't, you know, as much as people will say, oh, you know, he's, he had the back issues. ACL is pretty unforeseen, right? Like it's right. really happened to any NFL athlete at any given time with the, the, the physical aspect of the sport. But I, I would be surprised. I felt like the plan was always to sign Jack rabbit as a one-year stopgap. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you saw, you saw the way they set up that contract and how they, how easy they made it to get out of. Mm-hmm. It almost just feels like that decision was made in advance because Jack Rabbit played well in 2021. Yeah, I, I really did. thought it's I, a perfect thought, example of getting exactly what you paid for and expected yes. in a free. Despite agent. what the fans thought of him, the yes. majority of the season, Titans yes, he, fans, Titans fans <laughs> always have to irrationally hate one cornerback. It's like a, well, it's it's a, it's a cycle, nature. right? I mean, I think it's I think it's Mike Her- our buddy Mike Herndon who who points this out where. It's they're always a step behind, right? So like right. they bring in a guy, he doesn't perform super well immediately because he's in a new system. Everybody hates him, and then by the time he's gone, people have finally warmed up to him. You saw it with Malcolm Butler, and you saw it with Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Yep. 
even Logan Ryan had a rough start. I remember it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to, to wrap up the Caleb Farley thing, I think as we get more into Titan specific discussion later in the off season, this is going to be a point that I'm hammering home a lot, but people need to go back and watch Christian Fulton's rookie season tape. Cause it was mm-hmm. bad. Like as someone I, who loved Christian Fulton coming out, I was discouraged. I mean, it he was actively like he never good. taken a rep of press coverage before. And he was dealing with injuries. He's a rookie. Like, I mean, corners, not a position that there's not a lot of Patrick Sertans that just come in and are immediately high right. quality corners. So Caleb Farley's tape was underwhelming last year, but it's a new year. And like, I, I'm, I'm a, I say, I say it all the time as well. Like Fulton was essentially non-existent in, in 2020. And I know he dealt with some injuries obviously, and that mm-hmm. kind of limited his playing time. But like you said, he wasn't terrific when he was out there and uh, you know, you would have been a fool to write him off, right. Heading right. into 2021, look at the step forward he took. So I, I would agree with you and, and usher the same caution on Caleb Farley. Obviously the situation is a bit more complicated, you know, given the injury history. And I'm sure, you know, all three of us agree on that, but I wrote an article uh, for Broadway a couple, I mean, it might be a month ago now, maybe perhaps a, a tad more, lose track of time this time of year. But uh, I had talked about protecting him uh, with, by signing a corner in free agency. And I picked out three corners. And one of the options I chose was re-signing Buster Screen. At the time, mm-hmm. they, hadn't, they hadn't done that yet. And now they have. I thought that always kind of made sense as a bit of a backup plan. You don't want Buster Screen to start a ton for you in 2021. But, you know, having him, I think that gives you some great insurance on the Caleb Farley thing. And so does Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson had some great reps outside last year. He's got that versatility to play both inside and outside. So I think with Caleb, you know, you're planning on Caleb Farley. I think you feel pretty good about your backup plans being Buster Screen and Chris Jackson. So I, I would I would be pretty surprised if they drafted a corner in the first round. Well, let's take it back over to the other side of the ball real quick. I want to talk to you about tight ends, and that's certainly a, a maybe the biggest need just in terms of how barren the Titans' uh, cupboard at that position is. They're really, I mean, it, it. well, I say that. My brain is still pre-Austin Hooper signing, so they have Austin Hooper. That's helpful. However, I think it's still pretty clear they've got to go tight end somewhere here in the draft. And there's not a ton in terms of high-end tight ends. I mean, Trey McBride is at the top of, I'd say, probably the consensus list if I were to check. Um, But he's still a mid-second to late-second round graded guy, uh, according to most people. And then you've got quite a bit of depth in this tight end class. I think there's probably more on the project side with, with a number of these guys. But I wanted to ask you, first, before we get into the specific prospects available, I wanted to ask you what you think, what you perceive the Titans as looking for in a tight end and maybe what they wouldn't be looking for. And then maybe give some examples of guys that would or wouldn't fit the bill for what the Titans are trying to get at tight end. Yeah, I think, you know, they're lucky in a sense, because I would assume that they're going to look for uh, something they didn't really have a year ago. And that's a dual threat guy, a guy that can play as an inline blocker yep. and a guy that could also flex out and, and, and have an impact on the passing game. What did you have last year? Right. You, you had Anthony Ferkser who, you know, can't block for the life of him and is, is essentially a big, you know, a big slot receiver. Yep. And then you had Jeff Swaim who can block, 
uh, and play as an Apparently. inline guy. Struggled at times last year, <laughs> early on in the year as an inline guy. But that's that's his calling card, right? That's what he hangs his hat on. That's yes. why they had him on the roster, and presumably why they've resigned him. Uh, but he's not going to give you much as a pass catcher, right? The slow feet, you know, develop the first step, especially so. You didn't have that dual threat all around guy last year. So I would like to think Austin Hooper gives you a bit of that. Uh, I think for sure. I think yes. he can play in line, can, can, can be a pass catcher as well. But uh, that's what I think they should be looking for at a tight end in this class. And with that said, uh, it, it kind of falls in their favor, right? Because I think this class has some some pretty good dual threat guys that can do both, right? Like I, I like Trey McBride in that area, certainly. He's a guy who had over a 1,000 receiving yards last year and can play in line, uh, certainly. I don't think he's quite as good in line as, as Kate Otten or Jeremy Ruckert are, personally. That's just my Interesting. Okay. opinion. Uh, I think he's good. I like him. I just think Jeremy Ruckert and Kate Otten are really, really good uh, in line. Are uh, they but, one and two on your board? Uh, in terms of tight drop, ends. Like, my number Just one generally. tight end is uh, is uh, Trey McBride, okay. and number two is Jeremy Rucker. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I like what McBride brings a little bit more from pass catching perspective. Now, look, maybe we're all maybe we're all fools. Part of that is obviously he had significantly more opportunities in that area of the game uh, than, than any of those other guys certainly did. Obviously, with you know Kate Otten dealt with injury and, and Rucker playing. In that Ohio State offense, so many receivers, a lot of mouths to feed. I don't know how many targets McBride would have got in that offense himself, right? Perhaps uh, if the rules were reversed, uh, perhaps Rucker puts up a thousand receiving yards at Colorado State, right? Definitely. Uh, Tight end is such a tricky position in that regard. And like, I'll always go back to my one of my really good friends from high school is Dawson Knox, uh, tight end for the Bills. And like, he was not a good high school football player. Uh, he was injured his entire senior year, walks on to Alabama, plays tight end, doesn't catch a touchdown pass in his entire career because they had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And it's Ole like Miss, yep. you watch his tape and it's like 19 targets and then for the entire season. And it's like, how am I so, – this is hard to evaluate compared to a guy like Trey McBride who is literally the entire offense for Colorado <laughs> State. So it's it's a – it's an apples to oranges type of thing at best. Absolutely. And I'll say this on this tight end class. Um, I think it's a very good class, a very deep class. I don't think there's a, I'll be surprised if we get a, a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle out of this class. I don't know that there's that high end elite level pass catcher playmaker type, but I think there's a lot of really good tight ends that, you know, tight end one, tight end twos uh, that'll play for a long time in this league, start in this league. And, and I think, you know, on Kate Otten and, and Jeremy Ruckert specifically, I'll say this. I think both of those guys should absolutely be the Titans type. Obviously, when I when I, I, I go back and talk about that dual threat skill set that they have. Mm-hmm. But I also think they're going to get drafted slightly later than people think. If the Titans can get one of those guys in the fourth round, and, and I, I'll be, I haven't heard any of that. That's not from a source or anything. I'm, you know, connecting dots. Uh, they've both been injured throughout this entire process, essentially. Right. And this is right. a, a, injury always knocks guys down the board. Right. Oh, and I believe just got cleared the other day, you know, which is awfully convenient, awfully convenient with the, with the draft coming up. And then, and with Rucker, I think he was still in a walking boot at Ohio state's pro day. Yeah, look I mean, at this- I, I'm looking at my draft board and Rucker and Otten are the only two in my top 25 tight ends that don't have 40 yard dash. So yeah, there you go. Exactly. That. Right. They, they've been hurt this, in, this entire time, essentially. Then when you look at the depth of a class, we sometimes underestimate how what teams will do with injury, right? They'll just move on to the next guy, right? If they even got a similar grade on, on another tight end that they like and he's healthy, 
that doesn't become that difficult of a decision for them. So yeah. when you look at the depth of this class, uh, it's very likely impossible. Trey McBride's going to go before the both of them. Jelani Woods, with the way he tested, is going to go before the both of them. Uh, Greg Dulcich out of UCLA uh, will probably go before the both of them. And it wouldn't shock me, even if, a, to be honest, if a guy like uh, Charlie Kalar, the, the tight end out of Iowa State, uh, potentially goes before the both of them. So if you're the Titans, if you get one of these guys in the fourth round, uh, I, I think that should be the ultimate dream, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts on Greg Dulcich, Dulcich, however you pronounce his name? You know, I'm not quite as high on him as, as some other people are. Um, it, it's tough for me because I, I realize that, you know, he had the great senior bowl. He did uh, consistently separate uh, as well. When I'm talking about the Titans and the scheme fit specifically, I don't personally think he's a very good run blocker. I don't think he offers you much in that area. And, and, and if you've got to take them off the field in those situations, he doesn't do quite enough for me as a pass catcher to just ignore that. Like, I don't think he's an elite yeah. pass catcher. I think he's, he's a good one. And there are, you know, there's a 63 percentile vert jump here to take into consideration. Uh, there's the, the yards per reception. I think you might've tweeted that recently, James, if I recall correctly, I did it for receivers, not tight ends, but okay, I, so I imagine he would be way up there in yards per yards after reception. Yes, yeah, someone tweeted it at some point uh, and was uh, it was really uh, eye-popping, um, the yards per reception. And it was kind of an interesting qualifier. Uh, but, you know, there, there are things here that concern me. I, I do think he's a, a smidge undersized, potentially, for the position. Don't think he's got terrific size. Um, I, I, I've got concerns, specifically, yeah. mo- mostly as a blocker, right? And I, I don't think he's going to be an elite pass catcher to kind of make up for what he doesn't give you in that area. He's a guy who I was, I think I was like on my fourth game of him and I just turned it off mid game. Cause I was so frustrated by how bad his run blocking was. There you go. And I yeah. was like, who are the, who are the run blockers in this class? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at a lot of the national guys, like uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I know is really high on, on Greg Dolchich. I just don't really see it with him. Um, I'm with you. Another guy that uh, I wanted to ask you about is, um, or actually, I wanted to ask you if you like thought there were any surprise first rounders, like guys that uh, you could see sneaking into the first round that a lot of people don't expect. I know uh, Doug Kyatt, I think, had an article of uh, a similar with a similar prompt, and he was saying like Abraham Lucas could be a first round guy. Who's someone for you that you think could sneak in there? That's tough. Um, hmm. I don't know that any of these guys qualify as much of a surprise. I mean, and, and if they aren't, feel free to to call me out on it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, just, I'm not going to say a name for the sake of saying a name, right? Like right. Abe Lucas, yeah, sure. that would shock me. And I don't, I, I you know, DJ's, you know, or, or Doug Keed said it. You said he's connect, you know, he's connected as well. And it's, you know, I, he's probably heard something along those lines. But uh, two guys that I fully expect to be first round picks that maybe aren't making it, or I'll give you a three uh, who maybe aren't making it into every first round mock uh, is the safety from Georgia. I, I think he's almost certainly going to mm-hmm. be a first round pick. Uh, I think George Pickens has a very good chance uh, to be a first round pick and I'll double dip on safety. I, I think the kid from Michigan, uh, Dax Hill, I think all three of those guys will be, will be first round picks. And, and again, Dax I don't, Hill is good. Yeah, very good. And I'll give you a fourth again. I don't know if this really qualifies, but wouldn't shock me uh, at all. I, I fully expect Devonte Wyatt to go in there as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I first watched, started watching the Georgia guys and I'm sure you've experienced this, but like, 
watching the Georgia defense is a, an hour and a half long time commitment, at least for <laughs> me. Cause it's like, all right, now I watch Devonte Wyatt. Now I got to watch Jordan Davis. Now I got to watch Channing Tindall anyways. But like when I first watched the first Georgia game, I turned on Lewis scene was the, uh, first guy that immediately popped out to me. And then Daxton Hill, I just think, uh, man, the, the amount of different ways he could be used in the NFL. I'm really high on this safety class in general. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, man. That's a good comp. Yeah. Um, what kind of like, by by uh, the way, can I say quickly? Yeah, uh, go ahead. I have been, I don't know if this qualifies as love, but uh, Abraham Lucas is the hundredth ranked prospect on my big board. I do like him. A uh, hundred because I like them. I don't know that everyone has them in their top 100. Maybe uh, maybe I got the wrong beat on that, but I, I, I did like him and I do have him at 100, but first round would surprise me. Yeah, I actually, I have him at 57th. Wow, um, yeah, much higher than me. Yeah, it, it's weird. He was a lot better. He tested 97th percentile on the three cone, 98th percentile yep. on the shuttle. And like, I did not see that kind of athlete on tape. Um, like I, 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 especially as a run blocker. On the um, consensus who board, he's sort of alternatively okay. currently. Okay. Yeah. So the consensus is like second or third. Um, who's a guy that you think will go a lot lower than a lot of people are expecting? That might be an easier question. Yeah, I think I've got I've got a couple of guys uh, that that come to mind um, of two receivers, really. Uh, one is uh, Vilas Jones out of Tennessee. Mm. I, I've seen, a, you know, a, a lot of love for him and I get We're it. not He's, huge on him on this podcast. <laughs> fair. Uh, look, he, he had a great uh, senior bowl, if I recall correctly, was really, you know, putting guys in a blender was getting open consistently. Uh, he was in college for six years, right? I think yep. he was like three years, USC, three years, Tennessee. Something it was three at each. Those... Yep. Sorry. It was three at each of the schools. Yeah. That's what I thought. Three each. That's uh, what, what is he? Tw- I don't know if you got an age on him. I think he's, he's, 25? he's 25. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's old. <laughs> you know, teams, cer- <laughs> yeah. teams certainly take that into consideration. Right when, when when drafting, so I, I've seen him in the third round. I I don't imagine he's going to sniff anywhere near that. Another receiver I'll give you is Wendell Robinson. Right, I've seen a lot of people mock him to the Titans, and I, I don't want to yep. you know, call out names because I, I I love them, but I think John Glennon had him uh, in the second or third round at one point. Uh, I believe Braden four forty Sports had him uh, in the second or third round uh, as well at one point, but. The, the testing was was a bit of a tough pill to swallow, right? And I think you'll know mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm talking about, James. This guy is five foot eight, 178 pounds, with a with a with a nine foot broad jump, or you know, and a four four, sorry, a four 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 in the forty. Again, that that's not a, a a bad forty time, of course, generally speaking. But when you're five eight, one seventy eight, you've got to burn. His, you got to run four. You got to you got to do what Calvin Austin did. Right? His you yeah. run height. His height is second percentile. Weight is sixth percentile. Arm length is zeroth percentile. That is a only chance to run past everybody. Twenty-seven inch arms, right? Not even twenty-eight inches. So four-four-four is just not good enough, like you said, for that size, right? Calvin Austin is similar size. Ran four-three-two. I love Calvin Austin. There you go. With Wendell Robinson, I just look. It only takes one, right? I say this all the time because. Saying anything definitive about the draft is is stupid because it takes one team to say, "F that, I believe in the kid." <laughs> right? Like yep. that's all it is. So we saw it well with the with the Tutu Atwell right a year ago where right. he ends up you know the measurables. I believe he didn't run a great forty time uh, last year either. I, I think it was very similar if my mind serves me correctly. And the measurables were terrible. Like like you had just said, the percentiles were right there in that range. And he goes what fifty fifty fifth or fifty sixth overall to the Rams. 
They didn't do I, anything as a rookie. Yep. It qualified as a surprise. People were shocked. Probably not going to turn out to be an excellent pick. But it what goes I back always, to my point saying it only takes one, right? So I, I always I, say with these gadget guys is like, if part of your scouting report includes, like, imagine if Sean McVay got his hands on Wait till I get my <laughs> hands that's on That's a red him, flag. Like, right. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, so, there's like one Sean McVay, one uh, Kyle Shanahan. There's a limited uh, demand for these, you know, gadget boys. skill players. Um, and who is the first the first player uh, that you said could go lower? Um, drawing a blank on his name. It was Velas Jones. Oh yeah, so Velas Jones um, has the. I went and looked at route distribution for all the receivers in the class, and I think. 26 point something percent of his routes last season routes ran were screens, which was the highest rate of any receiver uh, in this class. I'm pretty sure that Wandale Robinson was up there also, but anytime you have a sixth year senior, that's still a raw route runner. uh, That's, (laughs) that's like, that's late day three to me. And I agree. I agree. I think it's, I think it's late day three on both of them personally. Again, Wendell's more of a, uh, more of a, a gamble because it takes one to fall in love there. I'll give you two more names, and I, I know you'll be in full agreement. Certainly, I think everyone's probably expecting at this point is is and two big school guys, so to speak, is Jalen Widermeyer, the mm-hmm. tight end out of Texas A and M, and and Darion Kendrick, the corner out of Georgia. Yep. Yeah, no, I have I have both of those guys. I have Derek Darion Kendrick as a priority free agent when you combine like a, a four, seven, something 40 with off yeah. the field issues. I can't imagine him being on a lot of teams boards. Um, and then Jalen Weidermeyer, again, it's just like bad tape and a bad athlete. It's not, <laughs> not a combination that a lot of teams are looking for, honestly. Yeah. Those are the, those are personally the four guys that come to mind for me. Well, Justin, it was uh, great to get you on. Um, I'm sure you're going to be busy, uh, throughout the next coming weeks, everybody make sure to go read uh, Justin's interviews with draft prospects. They are great information on a lot of guys that you probably haven't heard of. And there's uh, 10,000 of them. And he, this dude works like a maniac. (laughs) He does. Is that big board going to be coming out, Justin? You know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get it out there. I just, it's a timing issue. I actually might talk to you guys. I might speak to you, Easton. Uh, when, when we're done recording here, see if you can give me a hand getting it out there. Perhaps if I share it with you, sure. Uh, if, we're, if we're able to, to, to find the time to get that posted on, on Broadway, because I'm almost done with it. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much, Justin, for for joining us. We appreciate your time. Go check him out again over at the Draft Network. He's writing, covering the NFL and the NFL Draft here at Broadway Sports Media. Check out all the awesome work that he does with his podcast, the Music City Audible, as well as all the writing that he does for us. Justin, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have to have you on again sometime soon. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mm-hmm.